Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast, with yours truly, Nate Webb, the founder of Bullies Be Gone. Here on BBG, I go into all things kindness, bringing in guests and experts from all wakes of life. And we are all here for one reason and one reason only, to help you and your kids get over bullies, get off social media, and love your lives. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. I have a question for you guys. What does resiliency mean to you? And what does empathy mean to you? The reason I ask is, especially in the mental health field right now, experts are feeling like these are the two magical ingredients, the two things that are just missing And what is wrong with society right now? People aren't empathetic like they used to be, and they aren't as resilient as they used to be, and it's causing problems. Now, just don't take my word for it. My guest today, Sarah McNaughton, is a school counselor from California and has a passion for empathy and resiliency. I'm going to nerd out big time today. Um, This is going to be a great episode. But first, got to pay the bills. We are back, everybody. So I am super pumped to have on my guest today a because it's finally nice to talk to another school counselor because i get lonely sometimes guys it's okay but secondly she's just cool so counselor sarah um sarah mcnaughton did i say that right that is the coolest name oh my gosh so sarah aka counselor sarah um she's a school counselor that i ran across on instagram and i just love the stuff she's talking about so i decided to bring her on the show so we could all talk about the good stuff um she is um formally trained in um trauma informed schools and she is a second year school counselor over in california and she's awesome and she focuses a lot on empathy and resiliency and a lot of stuff that we want to talk about today so thank you sarah for coming on the show welcome welcome thank you thank you so much for having me i'm so excited absolutely so um first off how the heck are you and where are you coming at us from So um, I'm doing well. I am coming at you from the Coachella Valley. So yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I'm in the right tax bracket to talk to you. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So um, California, Palm Springs area. So today it was a nice uh, over 80 degrees. (laughs) Yeah. So, but we pay the price in like June and July comes and it's like 120. So, you know, it's a give and take. (laughs) That's right. And your property taxes are nasty. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To say the least. So how did you land yourself in the education and school counseling area? What's your story there? It is not a space for the faint of heart. It is not, um, especially being, you know, a middle school counselor. I feel yeah. like I never. <laughs> Them little chilling, they something else. <laughs> so um, I got my uh, bachelor's degree in psychology and I did what I, I made a list of what I didn't want to do. Um, and <laughs> so I kind of did a reverse of like, this is what I, you know, don't want to do. 
And I knew I was going to have to get my master's degree, right? My professor, like in intro to psychology is like, okay, raise your hand, you're your psych major. Okay. So you're, you're getting like, master's. You're gonna go to, yeah. <laughs> you're going to grad school. You're going to grad school. You're all going to grad school. So I knew that that was something that was going to happen. Right. I really wanted to work with kids and where are kids majority of their time in school. And so, yep. So right when I decided I wanted to work with kids um, and I wanted to be an education system ever since then, I just fell in love with public education and um, being a school counselor. So it just, it was one of those things where it kind of just started to make sense. Yeah, totally. Um, Big time. And I mean, yeah, kids are at the school more than at their own house. So what better place to help kids than at the school, but man, middle school, I don't know. You kind of, you deserve that. No, I'm kidding. Like my wife, she was a middle school English teacher and bless y'all's souls is all I got to say. You guys, teeny, those, those little tweens are awesome, but holy Hannah, they can, they can pack a punch, but (laughs) yeah. 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 Do, Do you love the middle school area? I do. I do. And when, um, so being a second year counselor, I was fortunate enough though, to get my hours and everything at every level and any new school counselor or person that's, you know, listening and thinking about it or doing their hours. Like I highly recommend doing all levels, like, because you just learn so much and you learn what's not for you, what's for you. And I, so I did elementary, middle school and high school. Okay. Um, and I have an appreciation, I think for every age, I, I think that in, in, I can be a chameleon that way. Um, I think that I can appreciate kids for whatever, you know, stage of life that they're in. And, uh, middle school, I know we're seen as kind of like the land of misfit toys. Yes, <laughs> oh my gosh. yes. And I never, and I always heard that going through my program, like, oh, the middle school people, like we have some, you know, <laughs> and, but I love it. I mean, every day, I mean, just as any other school counselor, every day is different, but I feel like yeah. with middle school, um, they're more, a little bit more cognitively aware, um, yes. than like elementary, but then they're not totally like whatever, leave me alone. <laughs> like <laughs> high schoolers are like, they know, you know, they you right. turn 17 and you think you have it all figured out. Right. Um, <laughs> So I feel like they're the most moldable, you know, I feel like they're really, they're really impressionable. I will take your uncertainty and crush you and mold you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, so I, so I came across you on Instagram. That's how I connect with you at first. Um, a lot of stuff you share is resiliency and empathy. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but our kids are kind of a little bit of a mental health crisis right now. Um, the, you know, the pandemic has ushered in a whole new, you know, pandemic of mental health. Um, the kids have been spending a lot of time at home on their own, not connecting with people. And I feel like kids are kind of struggling with resiliency and empathy. Um, and those are two of the big things that you talk about. Why are you so passionate about empathy, especially in kids? I, you know, I, what I've noticed and, you know, in my whole, you know, two years or so of experience, but what I've noticed is um, with kids, empathy, they have a very difficult time 
understanding another person's perspective, but I feel like they're really good at understanding their own perspective. Mm. And so when I'm talking to a child and I'm like, Hey, and I break it down for them, like, what if somebody did this to you? Or what if somebody did this to somebody that you care about, like your cousin or your sister? And I really put them in that position and break it down like that. It kind of starts to get the wheels turning. Maybe the light bulb doesn't go on the first time. Right. It starts to get them thinking like, wait a second. I, if I put myself in their shoes and I'm thinking about how they, how I might feel, you know, like, so we take mm -hmm. the emotion anger, right? Like, okay, if I'm feeling angry about this certain thing, um, wow, they're probably going to feel, you know, I know what that feeling feels like because empathy goes beyond, you know, my Brene Brown, here we go. But it goes beyond sympathy. It goes beyond saying like, oh, I feel bad for you, right? It, it, right. Empathy means like putting that on, like trying that emotion on, um, knowing that it's not yours, but knowing what that feels like when you have that emotion on. Yeah. And so I really think that, you know, when I do a lot of conflict resolution, of course, in middle school, um, <laughs> but that's where I always start is with that empathy piece with that mm -hmm. understanding, like, Hey, even if it's, um, you know, a classroom disruption, Hey, how would you feel if you went out to lunch with your best friend and then they didn't show up, you know, you're like, Oh man, like I would be like so mad at my friend. And I'm like, well, when you don't show up to a teacher's class, he might be a little upset, you know? <laughs> so trying to just like think about ways that, and I use myself as an example all the time, or I'll use them as an example, but I really believe in trying to paint pictures for mm. kids because that makes it like, and that allows them to try it on. That allows them to think and to, I get very like narrative because I feel like it allows them to like sit with that emotion. Right. That I, painted. I love that. I love that. It reminded me of, uh, I can't remember who said it, but um, when it comes to conflict resolution, especially with kids, is that if we understand before we seek to be understood, we're going to solve a lot of problems before they come up. Because um, a lot of times, like you said, kids are really good at knowing their own perspective um really good but they kind of struggle to learn other people's perspective they kind of struggle a little bit with this empathy thing um what are some of the factors that are making it hard for kids to be empathetic right now in this day and age just as a middle school counselor what are some things that you have noticed that have kind of been serving as a little bit of a, a stumbling stone for kids to be empathetic Oh man. Um, well, you, I know you talk about it and I think that's why I was so drawn to, um, your platforms and your podcasts and about, you know, the screen time that kids have, like, there's just something very, that can be very disingenuous with trying to connect with somebody, um, just through, you know, via text, via social media through, you know, and so if kids that's like one of their main ways of connecting. I feel like that really puts a barrier for them. Like they don't, 
they're losing that face-to-face. They're losing that, you know, when you had a conflict because we were pre, you know, social media, but when you had a conflict with a friend, like you had to call them on the phone or you had to see them at school the next day. And you had to either do like a face-to-face or like, I have this nervous feeling of picking up the phone, calling my friend, hearing their voice of, you know, disappointment or whatever. So like having those awkward conversations of trying to solve this I feel like are just because they go on you know you can go on your phone you can hide behind the screen you don't have to take on the other person's perspective you don't have to have that you know awkward and clunky conversation and so I really think that that is like a huge disconnect right now Mm. um huge 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 um I think also too with you know um I, I'm a firm believer in parent education because what I have especially noticed, um, especially with the pandemic and everything, we're still distance learning in California for my mm-hmm. county. And we've been, it's almost a year now, um, but we're really starting to see the, like the disconnect between like parents, schools and students, like everything's oh, trying yeah. to fall into this category. And so you know, I'm having, I'm, I'm kind of being forced to have hard conversations with more parents of, okay, do your children see you being empathetic? Like, are you explicitly teaching your children how to show empathy? Like when you have a conflict, how do you solve your conflicts? You know, are you showing them like, okay, I can put myself in your shoes or are you just shutting down your children and, you know, trying to sweep it under the rug and move on? So I think that there's a lot of moving pieces, especially now with, you know, um, being in distance learning and all, you know, our schools are closed. So I think that there's a lot of moving pieces, but I think that those are the really big two things that I've noticed the trend right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I can't help but agree. Um, I mean, I'll always pull in a plug for get off your dang screens. Um, just because not only do I feel like they're, I mean, yes, it's disingenuous and they we're not seeing people and going through those hard emotions that we need to learn how to process, like feeling uncomfortable, not having instant gratification all the time. Um, I know who a parent who will purposefully, um, like they'll go grocery shopping and then they'll purposely leave something out. And so they get to the cash register and have the kid like, hey, yeah, can you just put the stuff on? And then they leave, like they they leave to go get the thing. So the kid is left there by themselves, feeling this uncomfortable, mm, awkward. Mm. It's good for them to feel the awkward stuff, and and I I feel like that that is playing a big role. So something you preach a lot about is intentional relationships and helping kids find purpose. And I mean. I think the most unintentional thing ever is social media with mindless scrolling all the time. But um, I feel like there's a lot of kids that are kind of lost and struggling right now to find who they are and find their purpose. I mean, this pandemic has ushered a whole new mental health crisis for our kids. How can being intentional with our relationships, with our actions and everything, but how can being intentional and finding purpose help our kids out in this time? I think that with the intentionality of relationships also comes, you know, a bunch of other things. Like when you're intentional, 
you have that empathy to understand your friend. You know, you're not just, oh, we're friends because we're, you know, in the same class or, oh, we're friends because our parents are friends or, oh, I think that this is because what I'm also a firm believer in is that this is a lifelong skill. So even when they're not middle schoolers, how are they going to seek out relationships and how are they going to seek out healthy relationships? Mm. Because it's, I think, what I also don't want happening is our kids to seek out unhealthy relationships, right? So how can we help them um, become better problem solvers? Um, You know, I I want them to be productive members of our community. So how can I help them understand that, hey, relationships are an intentional thing that you have to constantly cultivate you have to check in with your friends you have to be a considerate friend you have to be a compassionate friend you have to have all these different components of what makes a good friend not just now in middle school but like life you know it's really teaching our kids you know lifelong skills beyond um beyond just middle school or beyond like high school whatever age that they're at it's okay understanding how is this going to play out being an adult Um, because that's what we're really setting them up for yeah to try and succeed as an adult and you and you mentioned it's kind of you know it's a long haul it's a it's a lifelong Mm -hmm. endeavor learning these skills so what are some simple things that kids and people but kids especially can do to be more intentional I think that when you want to be intentional, you can't, you have, you can't avoid those hard conversations. So you have to have those hard conversations. You have to, and I think it starts with knowing also who you are and seeking out, this is, um, these are my likes, these are my dislikes, Um, understanding your boundaries. And I think that when you know more about yourself and you can understand and be competent in that, um, then you can kind of start to seek out more intentional and healthy relationships. And I mean, kids aren't, you know, we're talking about middle school. It's like, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. They're not just going to know that. Right. And I love what you said that it's like this journey, right? Life is, it's a race. It's not a sprint. And so I think that, the most encouraging part of that is that it is a journey, but to, for parents and to kids know, like you're in this for the long haul and things don't have to be perfect. Like right now, like, um, I was just giving a guidance lesson, uh, last week about emotions. And I'm like, I always, always, always say this. Um, but I'm like, look, our, our objective together is not to like, not feel because that would be, like strange, like if you're super excited about something, you're going to be super excited about like, if somebody had this huge surprise for you and you're just like, eh, like that would be kind of weird. Like maybe a little bit of middle schooler, but also kind of weird. Um, you know, so like the same thing goes for any other emotion and it's like you understanding you yourself and understanding your emotions and being able to process that. And then also knowing that like life's a journey and not a sprint and then being able to strive for progress and not perfection. Like, look, we're just telling you these things so that you know, these things moving forward. If things don't have to change, like 
right this instant. Like we have, <laughs> you're only 10, you know, we have plenty of time. It's like try, just trying, I feel like I'm a seed planter. Like I'm just planting seeds and then somebody's going to come in. You know, I may plant it. Somebody may come by and water it. You know, it's like, it's not going to be, um, you know, change tomorrow. Right. No. It, it, and I think that's the thing about intentionality too, is it's not, I don't think that being intentional is something that happens like the next day. I think that to be intentional, you also have to be consistent. Yes. So I love so that. That, that. That's just, that's just some of what I, I think about, um, you know, cultivating being intentional. Yeah. I, uh, I can't help but agree with all that. Cause it's so hard to try and tell kid, Hey, be more intentional with your time, but then they go home and the 30 minutes that mom does spend with them, she might be just on her phone the whole time. Like if you want to raise an intentional, empathetic kid, you need to be an intentional, empathetic person. And I think a lot of people struggle with that right now because they're scared of their kids getting bored. They're scared of their kids doing X, Y, and Z wrong because there's so many outside voices telling them how they should parent, how their kids should act, and how they should be perfect. And if they don't do those things, they're like, oh, no, I'm doing a bad job as a parent. Um, and so they've kind of gotten rid of the, the ability to be intentional because everything is preplanned. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, well, I'm just doing it because mom made me. So now what? <laughs> And right, they, they struggle right. with it. Um, as a middle school counselor, um, especially in these in these middle school kids, um, when when they do get nasty and they can get they can get brutal with each other. Um, so my my whole platform and everything, if, if for start to empower bully victims and whatnot, just for my experiences as a kid and then as a counselor and everything. But from your experience in the middle school, how? How is the bullying scene? Like, I feel like it has evolved in the worst ways. <laughs> well, you know, and going back to the phones and back to the screens, it follows them home. Like it follows you 24 ah, seven. And so yeah. it, you can't, you know, you can't disconnect. You don't, you don't get the luxury of going home and being like, oh, okay, all that's at school. I'm right. at home in my safe place. Your safe place is like infiltrated, you know, by Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever. So it, and it, and I think for schools, it's hard because it's like, okay, um, you're bullied, but then you're bullied at home on Snapchat. So yeah. it's this like, but then it comes back to school and then it's like, okay, well now it's at school and then it goes back to home and then it's back at school. So it's this really gray sometimes area of like, it's like this, it's almost like this, like, um, real but pretend conflict because it's like social media is real but then it's not real 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 life like right. so it's really 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 strange sometimes at middle school because it's like you know and then they start to engage back and forth and so sometimes I feel like they have to stand up for themselves or you know there's pressure to um, look cool or there's you know there's just all the all this pressure and it, it's I really feel like it, I'm not surprised when our kids are so anxious um, and and just so um, self-conscious um, and yeah. so on edge because it just it follows you around all the time you there's no disconnecting and if you're not invited to something you know because you go on your phone and you see oh my gosh it's happening right now and I wasn't invited 
So, ah, man. And it's so real. I mean, they call it FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. <laughs> and like, it's hard when all that just follows you everywhere. It's like, there's no break. There's no rest period from your brain being on overdrive, trying to be connected to 500 different people. Our brains are wired to be one-on-one, not one-on-fifty. And for kids where their brains are still developing, every every kid's brain has ADOS, attention deficit, ooh, shiny. Like they don't, they see something shiny, they're going to look at it. And especially when it comes to social media, we can't expect them to make all the right decisions on their phones at that young of an age. It's just impossible. Um, the social media scene for kids is just, it's heartbreaking that what it's doing to their self-confidence, like you said, their self-esteem. I mean, we have girls that they see certain bodies, certain things on Instagram, and they think that's the way their body should look. And it's not because I hope no middle schooler looks like that. And like, <laughs> and, and then, and then it's also telling the boys who they should love and how they should love mm-hmm. with the different pornographic things that they might see on the mm-hmm. internet. Um, and it, yeah, like that can't be easy on kids. It just can't. Um, do you, do most of the kids that you interact with, do you think most of them have a smartphone? Oh yeah. Oh, majority. <laughs> like if they don't have a phone, it's like almost like this shameful thing. Like, and I Ooh. don't have a phone. Yeah. It's Ooh. like, and I don't have, and I don't have a phone. Like I'm like, I'm weird. I, because I don't have a phone like this yeah it's like almost like a it's like a disclaimer they have now like Dang. and i'm not on social media you know um so it, it's yeah it's a really weird and bizarre thing because it's like well yeah you well in my opinion <laughs> but in my opinion yeah you shouldn't have a phone so i always reinforce that though i'm like oh good oh good i'll have to meet your parents good for you right why do you feel <gasps> so ashamed that if they don't have a phone or social media think because they feel left out because majority of them do and so I think that they feel like they're you know the you know just the outcast like everybody has this and I don't it like brings you back to the FOMO but I'm like oh man you are going to be such a healthier individual if you don't have that in you right now because it's you know it's addictive and it's 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 like a coping skill now too you know it's like Oh, I'm in this awkward situation. Okay, I'm gonna pick up my phone and look at it. Oh, I have, I go home and I don't know what else to do. Okay, I'm gonna pick up my phone. Oh, I don't, you know. So I think that a lot is to, it's kind of like this avoidant because a lot of kids will tell me, you know, I was mad, I went in my room and I went on my phone. And so it's like making this like positive reinforcement of like, when something hard happens, I get to avoid it or when, and I get to go and escape on my phone. So it's almost like, you know, it's, it's, an, it's addicting. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about resiliency and empathy and I don't think anything has been more damaging to the resiliency and the empathy to our kids than the phones. Not, not only just because I mean, what it does neurologically to them, but like social media algorithms are set so that you see more stuff that of people that agree with you than with people that don't. And so when, if, and when you come across someone that you don't agree with, the algorithms have it set up so that that person gets mobstered by 
everybody who might not agree with them. And so social media has become such a toxic place to where people can't have different opinions because they'll just get attacked. You know, I remember when first Facebook first came out, I had I had friends of all sorts of political sides coming on, you know, both sides, seeing stories and everything. And I felt like I was pretty in the middle because I was exposed to all these different opinions. Um, and I feel like now, like social media companies are kind of going out of their way to make sure that kids are just staying in clicks so that they can just attack the other clicks. It's like the world is playing a big old game of clash of clans and the kids are collateral damage. And you know, you're a school counselor when that's the analogy you use, um, <laughs> clash of clans, but it's so, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's, it's, it's so hard. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen as a middle school counselor so far in your two years that you've been a middle school counselor with the kids? Man, uh, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Do we have another hour and a half? Right. (laughs) Um, you know what it, I want to say it's like conflict resolution and under and, and understanding that, because here's the thing too, is conflict is healthy. And I think that as you were talking, we kind of have forgotten that as a society, like conflict is healthy. Like adversities can be healthy, like overcoming barriers, super healthy. Like, but we categorize things into like, this is good. And this is bad. Like, um, and, and my kids don't understand. I'm like, anger is good. And they're like, what? No. Yeah. Anger, bad anger, make mom stressed. to bring it back like it's what you're doing like your behavior with your emotion it's not the emotion and I think that bringing it back to the resilience piece like we're for whatever reason like not having those hard conversations and not having like avoidant of conflict so then when conflict does come it's seen as this like oh we're not supposed to have this we don't know what to do conflict oh gosh you know like we don't know how to handle our own conflicts and so I think that we're really like you know, going back to the, the, the intentional relationships, it's like, in order to have intentional relationships, guess what? You have to have conflict. Like yep. if you tell me you have a relationship and you don't fight, I'm kind of like, mm. <laughs> because you're not having hard conversations, you know, right. like, and you, and you have to have hard conversations with friends, family, you know, your kids you have to have hard conversations with your kids like otherwise what are what are they learning like what are you teaching with them you know it's like (laughs) nothing (laughs) (laughs) so I I think that 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 just all ties in you know yeah yeah I think I really think I I agree with you I, I really think kids they need to embrace the suck like parents need to let their kids go through the crappy stuff like don't swoop down. Don't plow through the problems for them. The best thing, the, the best thing for any kid right now, I feel like would to get their phone, have their phone get taken away so that they don't have instant gratification so that they have to actually like work through their emotions, heaven forbid, and like figure things out and talk right. to people and communicate. 
Um, I think that that plays a big role. So I, oh man, I could talk. Yeah. Do we have like five more hours? No, (laughs) dang it. Well, (laughs) there's been a lot of golden nuggets here, guys. I hope you guys have been listening, taking some notes, pausing where you need to. Um, Sarah, where can people keep a hold of you and to see what's going on with you? Shameless plug time. (laughs) Um, so I am on Instagram and Twitter, um, counselor underscore Sarah. So that's where you can find me, my little space on the internet. There we go. Go check her out, guys. She's awesome. She's always sharing about empathy and resiliency and a lot of stuff that could be really helpful. Um, for your daily dose of positivity, go ahead and follow me at bulliesbeat.gon on Instagram. And always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.